0: This is the Spa Retailer Podcast, where we talk retail, business, and all things related to the hot tub industry. I'm your host, Megan Kendrick, owner of Spa Retailer Magazine. Today on the podcast, we have Ben Pogamiller. He has been on before. I'm sure you remember back at the beginning of the pandemic, poor Ben had to record his episode twice because we recorded it and then the world shut down and we needed a little update (laughs) to the things we had talked about. So he is back on today. Thanks for being back on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And yeah, if you haven't heard that last episode, go back and listen to it. All that stuff still applies today. To
0: get us started, can you give me a little bit of an update on how things have been going for you since we last spoke, which was at the beginning of the pandemic? A lot has happened between now and then. More specifically, the world is sold out of hot tubs.
1: Exactly. And that's something that I think nobody really saw coming. Uh, back then, nobody really knew which way the industry was going to go. There was a lot of talk about us internally and just hearing from the industry that nobody really knew, like, is there going to be a recession? Are people going to be afraid to spend money? Are people going to lose their jobs and not have any of that discretionary income anymore? Because obviously, hot tub purchases are going to be some of the first to go when you know, you're in a cash crunch, right? And right. so nobody really knew what was going to happen. And so I think the whole industry, us included, got caught kind of unaware. Back in March, we really didn't know what was going to happen. And then by April, May, things started to pick up. Until the entire world sold out of hot tubs. Right. And the manufacturers just couldn't keep up anymore. And so now we have this strange problem where we have all this demand and no inventory. That's the challenge we've all been facing. And so we've been trying to find some creative ways around that.
0: It's just insane. I mean, historically, big market issues like this are negative for our industry. And so at the beginning of this, everyone was preparing for the worst. And yeah, the exact opposite happened. And we were all sort of caught. We all would have behaved a lot differently at the beginning of this if we had known what was about to come. You know, people wouldn't have sold off their floor models. Manufacturers who were allowed to stay open would have just continued to make as many hot tubs as possible. But that wasn't the reality. Everyone had to shut down. And now we have all the supply chain issues in addition to manufacturers not being able to keep up with the orders that are coming in. And it's just insane.
1: We would have definitely done it differently. Thankfully, we were pretty early to recognize the trend. And so we Mm. did order a bunch of stock. Before things got really bad. So Good. we did continue to get tubs throughout the year, but by the end of September, we were completely sold out for the year. I wish we could have got, you know, 25 or 50 more tubs, but right. that just couldn't happen, right? And I never would have thought that now we'd be thinking about planning 2022 stock now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which is what we're doing.
0: And it's such a big switch for the way that businesses in this industry are ran because traditionally it's been a just in time delivery system. And so someone places an order with you, you place an order with the manufacturer, three, four weeks later, they've got their hot tub in the backyard. And so it's just a whole new way of doing business operationally. It's a whole new way of selling. It's a whole new way of marketing. We are all learning on the fly here.
1: I think a lot of this, and I never want to profit off of a tragedy or anything, but a lot of this has been a blessing for us, not just because Mm -hmm. of the demand, but our unique situation in our business is that we have four owners and we're not all at the store all the time. And so one of the challenges that we kind of faced since purchasing this hot tub business is finding ways to sell remotely or try to do most of it through phone and email anyway so that I can be at home working on other things and still be able to talk to people about hot tubs and not have to physically be in the store and so when the pandemic hit we were in kind of a unique position that we were a little bit more prepared for that than maybe Mm -hmm. some of the others because we do a lot of online marketing, we do a lot of email marketing, we do a lot of selling through email and by phone and so really just the last step is for people to come in and see it which is kind of a formality and so we've had to adjust to that a little bit Mm -hmm. but we were kind of ready for this and so it's been good for us in a lot of ways.
0: Remind me and remind our listeners how long you guys have owned the business now?
1: We're coming up on the two-year mark pretty soon. Yeah, we've learned a lot in that time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And one of the things I learned is that I don't necessarily want to spend an hour in person with every prospect anyway, right? Absolutely. So just because I want to protect my time. Now it's just almost critical that we be able to sell remotely because who knows who's going to be open or closed next week, Mm -hmm. depending on how bad this thing is, right?
0: Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that you guys, like you said, sort of came into this business with that in mind where you weren't going to be, you know, on the floor in the store, you know, every waking hour. And so it's interesting. You had kind of already set up some of that. Whereas I would say most hot tub businesses, that is not how they're set up for a lot of people. These are all things that we want to add to our business eventually. Oh, we have to put them together in a
1: week. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I love foot traffic. Foot traffic is great. I love when people just walk in off the street and want to talk about hot tubs. That's awesome. Yeah. How exciting. But I I never want to rely on that. I never want to rely on that though, right? And I think too many businesses rely on that for their income. And I never ever wanted that to be our primary source of income, right? Like Mm -hmm. I want to control and monitor and track who's coming in and from where and be able to control that process. And then what happens if people can't Walk in the door, which is the situation we're in now. We actually have to lock our doors. Yeah. So people can't come in now. So what do you do then? Right. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are kind of scrambling.
0: I want to talk about how you guys have changed your marketing and your messaging since lead times got crazy long and you don't have stock. But before we do that, I do want to ask you you know, you talked about managing your inventory already for 2022. I do kind of want to ask you about what that has been like because it is such a big switch having to forecast that long out. How are you guys handling that? How are you deciding what to buy, what not to buy, how much to buy? Because there are so many unknowns. I mean, you know, as of right now, there, I think, again, to the surprise of everybody, there are still a ton of leads coming in. There's still a ton of people buying hot tubs. But, you know, the longer this pandemic goes on, the fear obviously is that the economy will take a turn and people will start being afraid. And kind of some of these things that we expected at the beginning may actually start to hit us. So what do you, how do you guys manage all of that?
1: Well, that's a great question. Question, and one that maybe we haven't 100% figured out yet.
0: No, no, one has a, no yeah. one's 100% figured it out. And if they tell you yeah. they have, they're lying because yeah, nobody yeah. knows what's going to happen next.
1: <laughs> well, what we found out pretty early on is that um, if we didn't just make a decision, then we were just going to suffer from analysis paralysis forever. Because you can constantly overthink, should I order this model or that model or should I go more high-end or more low-end depending on what the economy is going to do? And,
0: what did you um, call it? Analysis paralysis?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, mean, I love that.
0: Just, that, sounds you, like, that sounds like me in a nutshell.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you just sit there and overthink it, then you're just yeah. going to go down this endless loop of overthinking it, right? Yeah. And so we kind of found ourselves in that situation a little bit. So what we decided was like, we're just going to look at historically what has sold well, what are our kind of bread and butter models, and we're mm-hmm. really going to load up on those and try and have a variety of color options, feature options, budget options, so that no matter what's coming in, there will probably be something for everybody until we sell out. I mean, because there's all these different kinds of buyers. So we were kind of concerned at the beginning of this pandemic that people were going to go for the lower end of hot tubs. We thought everyone's going to, you know, try and be budget conscious Mm -hmm. and try and get like the best value for their money. But what we actually found was the opposite was true. We sold more bigger models and more expensive models than we had the whole last year. So what we kind of learned from that was that this is all just kind of a guessing game and what you assume or what you think might be the case, the market is going to tell you what they want And so we kind of now focus on just having a wide range of models, just have a little bit of everything. We're not going too hard on the crazy colors because that's a bit of a risk, right? Like there's the unpopular colors. So we're kind of just sticking with the tried and true colors, one light one, one dark one Mm kind of thing. And yeah. so people have a preference for light or dark, then they have some options there. We're not going so heavy on some of the weird options. Whereas in the past, maybe we would take more of a chance on something like, hey, let's order sure. something really weird and see if people go for it. Well, yeah, I mean, it is being a bit more conservative. on Sure.
0: That. I mean, it is fun to have kind of that one tub that really stands out on your showroom floor. That's got, that's red or, you know, green or whatever it might be that, you know, yeah. really catches people's eye. And that will maybe suit that one person. But yeah, yeah. that's, it's not something that you're going to sell a ton of usually. Yeah.
1: And we're not going crazy on a lot of the extra features like some mm-hmm. of the more obscure ones that not a lot of people buy so we're just kind of going with some more basic packages and then there's always things that they can add on later like we can add on a uvo zone after the fact because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. once it's in the showroom we can add on different things right and so If people want that, we can certainly still accommodate them, but we're not necessarily ordering it from the factory like that.
0: And speaking of the factory, are you getting a lot of assistance from them as far as the trends that they're seeing and the tubs that they are selling or that they suggest? I know this part is getting better as kind of the supply chain issues even out, but I mean, for a while it was sort of like, by the way, I know you ordered it with this control. We only have these. Is that going to be okay? And kind of having to go back after the fact and saying, this is the hot tub that we can build you. Do you want it?
1: yeah <laughs> I feel really bad for manufacturers right now because I'm sure they're taking a lot of heat right and we have customers waiting for tubs right now then we don't have them yet and mm-hmm. there's been delays and having to relay that to the customer is tough for us but it's I'm sure it's also tough for them too I think it's just part of it has been us just being more comfortable with accepting some variation you know the control panel border might be white instead of black or right. you know the colors in the acrylic might be you know a little bit different than we're used to with some of the color patterns but right. the kind of the hard line to walk that these manufacturers have to go through is is between accepting perfection and only perfection or and not getting any tubs out or sending tubs out and the alternative is you have no tubs to sell right, right. so they kind of have to they have this acceptable lane of variance that they can have right and so they are yeah. constantly navigating that
0: and again these are all things that don't really impact the quality of the product you know it's like right. it's mostly aesthetic things that we're not talking about it doesn't leak
1: <laughs> right exactly as long as you it's know? structurally sound and right. all the components are there like that's really what we care but if it's missing a few jets and we have to fit in our own jets or mm-hmm. or wait for some extra ones, like that's not the end of the world. So we're learning to accept that kind of stuff.
0: For a lot of people, this lead time influx happened really fast. And so, you know, you had yeah. people ordering and the lead time was five weeks or whatever. And then next thing you knew, that hot tub suddenly was two months out or three months out. Yeah. And so, you know, you had made promises to these customers that you suddenly, yeah. unbeknownst to you, were unable to fulfill. How do you you, how do you handle that from a customer service perspective? Because I know there were a lot of angry customers for a while there that didn't understand why you suddenly were not bringing them their hot tub. You had their money. Why were you not bringing their hot tub? <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, so that was a tricky one for sure. And the first couple of truckloads that happened with, we were very stressed out about it. And it was very, those were some difficult conversations. There were a couple things that we did that I think most people were pretty understanding. I mean, they realized that yes, this is a pandemic and they're very, you know, mitigating circumstances here. <laughs> Yeah. there's a couple things, right? Like one of the things we learned is, and don't quote me on this because I don't know the science of it, but one of the components used in acrylic, I think is also used in the manufacture of ventilators, right? right. So
0: yeah. Well, so and you realize, you realize you're on a podcast. So when you say don't quote me, like we're definitely <laughs> yeah, going
1: to quote you. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. No, I hear that. But I mean, I'm just saying like that's yeah, no, 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 you're, you're not an expert and,
0: <laughs> in a medical supply chain. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm sure you could Google it and figure that out, but that's what we heard. And that's what we told people. And um, mm-hmm. people seem to understand that aspect of, it, right? Sure. Well, and even um, just
0: making like shields and, you know, and those kind of panels that you see now at the grocery store and the bank and, you know, any retail store you go into, there's a lot more barriers that are being put up right. that have been used for acrylic too.
1: And most people were pretty understanding because what we did was we took the approach. I drafted up a written sort of Mm. copy and paste letter to send to people because I really wanted to get that wording right so that we could show that we were on the same side as them. This isn't an adversarial thing like, ha we're not giving you your hot tub. Like that's not what this is at all. Yeah. We
0: sold it to someone else so we could make more money.
1: Yeah. It's like, no, we want you to have your hot tub as much as you do, right? Like we want this to work out and we're very disappointed and frustrated and stressed out about this too. Mm -hmm. We're trying to get answers from the manufacturer, but you can realize that this is a really tough situation for everyone. Yeah, We're doing and our best. they're
0: closed in yeah. a lot of cases. It's like yeah. they're not even open right now or they're open for the first time in exactly. four weeks and have... Way more orders than anyone could have ever anticipated.
1: Thankfully, like nobody really canceled their order. The way I phrased it was like, hopefully, in 10 years, you'll be glad you waited for the right tub for a couple right. extra months, right? Yeah. I mean, because honestly, in 10, 15 years, people aren't going to care that they had to wait a couple more months for their tub. And it's frustrating in the moment for sure. Mm-hmm. We just had to show people that like, hey, we're all in this together because it's not that the manufacturer doesn't want to get you your tub. Like they want their money, and mm-hmm. and we want to get you your tub because we want you to be happy. And right. we're all just kind of on the same team here. And I think once people realize that, then it was a lot better. Now yeah. we do still have some customers that are emailing us every couple of days asking when their tub is coming. And, and I totally get it. You've paid a lot of money for this thing and you want to know what's right. happening, right? Yeah. Sometimes those conversations are a little tricky, but we very quickly learned to under promise and over deliver after that. I think that's what the
0: manufacturers have started doing too. They're like, um, our lead time is this when, you know, in reality, they're hoping it's yeah. a couple of weeks less than that, but they don't want to get caught and put right. you guys in a bad situation either.
1: And right now we're not even giving a delivery month. Like right now I'm just giving oh. a season like, Hey, they're coming in spring. <laughs> do you want to tub in spring? And then oh, they go, that's, yeah, am- okay, right?
0: that's amazing. Spring could be March. Spring could be May. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. Right. So, I mean, I hate doing that, but like when you don't have an answer, it's hard to, yeah. hard to do that. And I don't want to mislead people in any way. Like that's never right. my intention. So do you, we're being um, very vague about it.
0: Yeah. Have you guys started doing, setting up regular follow-up campaigns? That's something I've I've heard from some other retailers is that before a lot of the drip campaigns and things you were doing was before someone purchased the tub, but now they find themselves having to do more of that after they purchased the hot tub so that yeah. you keep them engaged, that they know that you still value them as a customer, not like, Hey, we've taken your deposit and we're never going to tell you when this hot tub's going to arrive.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's one thing we have done is we've created a list of all the people who are expecting hot tubs. And so mm-hmm. no, nobody falls through the cracks and then just trying to send them regular updates when we know more information. And so yeah. we tried to be more proactive about that. It's not automated or anything. It's just Mm -hmm. like we have our staff just manually reach out to people. Yeah. Just kind of give them an update on their tub. And then that's helping to smooth over a lot of this stuff.
0: You know, talking to some retailers in the midst of having all of these crazy lead times and a bunch of customers wanting hot tubs and dealing with more sales leads than they've ever had to before, and also having to do a bunch of extra sanitizing and things to make sure that yeah. the showroom was safe. That on top of that, they also would have to spend a couple hours a day or a week calling every single one of their customers and saying, here's what we've heard from the factory on where you are. In in line to get your hot tub and having to have that additional added time and stress of trying to keep their customers updated. And so I think most people have gone to more of an email process and, and you know, now they are kind of through that hard time where they didn't know that lead times were going to be crazy and the hot tubs are going to be delayed. But yeah, for a while there, it sounds like it was pretty, pretty intense.
1: It was pretty intense, but thankfully we have such great customers and they're mostly understanding. So there's yeah. real no issues there. I think most of the stress is happening in our own heads <laughs> and the stories yeah, we tell absolutely. ourselves about yeah, how people absolutely. are to react and all that yeah. stuff, right?
0: I mean, especially if you're dealing with a first-time buyer, they don't know how long it takes to get a hot tub. As far as yeah. they know, this is completely normal. Maybe not so much with you know second-time buyers, but I think one of the exciting things that we've seen come out of this is that we have had a lot of new people enter the hot tub market. A lot more first-time buyers and younger buyers than we have seen in the past.
1: Yep, absolutely. That's 100% true. And I think people are starting to figure out that hot tubs are hard to come by Like now that they're shopping around a little bit. So that's right. helping. People yeah. are getting to, are expecting longer lead times now Mm -hmm. so that's a lot easier when people come to you you can really set the expectations because they kind of know they're like i know you probably don't have anything in stock i thought i would just check with you like what you've got coming in like that's a much different conversation than you know we're in lockdown i want a hot tub yesterday
0: they're preparing for the next lockdown right like hopefully you can have it if we ever have to sit at home again or aren't able to travel or they don't let us go to the united states because corona is out of control there (laughs) yeah How has the sales process changed for you? And again, I want to get Mm -hmm. to the marketing side of it, but just as far as, you know, instead of selling people on, Hey, you can have a hot tub and you can pick this color or this panel or this feature or that feature. Now you're saying, here's what we have on order. What best suits what you guys are looking for? How have you changed your sales process and sort of how you walk people through all of the things that are available to them?
1: The sales process is actually quite similar to what we were doing before, which has Mm -hmm. always been to try to get information from people about what's going to make them happy in a hot tub right. and then directing them to a couple of different choices based on what they've told you. So that's they true. Want... I
0: mean, if you're smart, you're not saying, here are 50 options, pick the right. best one for you because yeah, that's a, a nightmare. <laughs> a smart salesman is already directing them to the couple of options that are sound like they're gonna be best for their needs, for sure.
1: Exactly, and now those options are just going to be what's already coming in, not a lot of room for customization anymore. If you get a customer coming to you with a lot of specific requirements, requests that can be a little bit tricky because you may not be able to fulfill all those requests Mm -hmm. and you just have to be upfront with them and just say well at this point we're like 12 13 months out from a custom order so if you're willing to give up a couple of those things like that funky color you want specific features you want then we could probably make something happen a lot sooner what would you like to do right that way people have still have the choice you're giving them all the options and they can kind of yeah. decide from there. So. Do you
0: have some people who are taking you up on the your long wait?
1: No, most people just want to take what's something that's coming <laughs> okay. in, right? They, okay. they yeah. realize those things weren't as important to them as they thought they were. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Especially when you're selling neutral colors that kind of go yes. with everything. Most of the basic colors, nobody really has a problem with them.
0: So I personally, if I'm thinking about, you know, what I care about for my hot tub, I don't think I really care necessarily what the acrylic color looks like because you don't really see it that much. Like right. really what I care about is the outside of the hot tub look good, because that's what you're going to be staring at.
1: (laughs) Yep, exactly. 100%. And I think people tend to overthink that a little bit. When it's full of water, you don't really notice the color as much anyway, especially when you're in it at night when most people use their hot tub anyway. So yeah, it doesn't matter as much.
0: Yeah, these are things that when you're in the showroom just feel really important as you're looking at all the hot tubs and all the colors. And then once you actually own one, you're like, oh, I don't even see that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So the sales process is pretty similar. It's just the only difference is we just don't have a lot in the showroom for them to see other Mm -hmm. than things that we have that are waiting to be delivered, right? And so sometimes they can come in and see that. Um, but right now we've had to lock our doors just because of the local situation. So you guys are closed again? Yeah, we can do curbside pickups so people can call in their orders for Kim okay. and that kind of stuff. And we can yeah. run it out to them in the parking lots and we'll do some delivery and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But for right now we can't just have public walking in. So right. they can't come and see the hot tubs. So that's really the main difference. But I think a lot of retailers are in that situation right now where we sold off all our floor stock, we don't have anything. It's just about being like honest with people that, hey, you know what? I know you want to see it in person. I know you want to try it out before you buy it. But There are plenty of people who aren't. There are plenty of people who are just buying these hot tubs without seeing them. And they're just reserving their spring tub right now. So what would you like to do? And if they want to wait, fine. And you just be honest with them. Hey, you know what? You can wait till we have a floor stock and you want to come check it out. That's totally fine. You just might not have all the selection that you would have normally. And you just kind of have to take what's left.
0: If there is a floor model in that's something that someone is interested in, something that's on order and it's going to someone else, but you've got it actually on hand. are, Are they able to make an appointment and come in and see it? Or can you not even really do that?
1: Yes. I think we can I have to check with the health inspector on that one, but (laughs) I'm pretty sure they can come in by appointment.
0: What's the difference between the first shutdown and the second for you guys having to be closed that first time around versus this time? Does it, does it feel different?
1: Yeah, it does a little, I mean, there's a little bit less uncertainty involved. Like there's not as Mm -hmm. much, I wouldn't say we were panicking, but we were really wondering what this was going to do to our business. And now we know we're going to be fine. People Mm -hmm. with hot tubs still need their chem, they still need their repair parts. We can still go out and do service calls. This time of year is kind of a slow time for us anyway, just as we get into holiday season, not as many people are walking in to buy hot tubs anyway. So I mean we're kind of like riding the slow season anyway. So Mm -hmm. we're just kind of cruising along, like not really making any waves. And I think we're a lot more calm this time. Yeah. And one thing I did in the first shutdown was when we still had a lot of stock, I did video walkthroughs of all of the tubs and all of the different models. And so now when people are in about a certain model and now I have a YouTube video that I have the link for I can just send them that video
0: that's great it's, Yeah,
1: it's not quite the same as being in there in person but they can see the seats they can see the configuration mm-hmm. I tell them about the jets I tell them about the pumps all that kind of stuff so now we have these like virtual tours that we can give people of all the hot tubs. so that's great I, I'm really glad I did that and so that makes it a lot easier this time around too to yeah. give people the product info they need
0: we are gonna see a second wave of shutdowns depending on where you're located and so it's gonna be interesting how retailers attitudes and practices have changed and evolved from that first one. I mean, like you said, there's not going to be sort of as much panic because we've been here before now, but yeah, it'd be kind of interesting to see how it's handled differently the second time
1: around. Absolutely. And so if I would tell other folks to do one thing, it would be like record those one to two minute videos of each tub you have, if you have yeah. any, so yeah. that if people can't come in, then you have something to show them. Give them a sense of your personality too. Like mm. you can always, you can find online images. A lot of manufacturers now have virtual tours or 3D models, but it's not the same as having someone talk to you about it right. and kind of show you and like give you that full sales experience and, mm-hmm. and really get the you know excitement of the person showing it to you and those kinds of things. So sure. I like having that personal touch to it as well. So I would definitely do that and not just rely on the manufacturer supplied materials because mm-hmm. they're all trying to pivot to this kind of stuff too.
0: I mean, we all know in sales, a lot of times it comes down to, do I like the guy standing in front of me? Not so much the exact thing that they're selling. And so it's nice to still be able to provide that even when you can't do your
1: normal face-to-face showroom experience. Exactly. So I would definitely recommend that.
0: Let's get back to Let's get to the real, (laughs) the real thing I wanted to talk to you about, because as we know, marketing is kind of your bread and butter. What has changed in how you are marketing your store and your products right now and the messaging? What are you doing
1: different now that hot tubs are sold out? That's a fantastic question. So we went pretty hard at it until we ran out of stock. So Mm -hmm. we were still advertising pretty aggressively until, until we sold out. And so the way that kind of morphed was earlier in the year we had our regular ads like for Checking out hot tubs and whatever, right? But then as selection got narrower and narrower, then it became more of a game of not like, hey, come buy a hot tub from us. It was like, hey, we've got twenty left for the year. Make sure you get one of them. <laughs> and then that there was that. Yeah, nothing right?
0: like a nothing like a sense of urgency.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then as soon as as soon as stock dwindled to even fewer, mm-hmm. then it was about making like tub specific ads. So it was like, here's this four seat hot tub that we have left. If you would like it, <laughs> let us know, right? So yeah. It became more about hey, we have this exact tub. If you want this one, then here's what it's all about.
0: I mean, did you see customer behavior change based on doing that type of advertising? Because that's, I mean, that's pretty unusual in this industry to be like, hey, we've got 20 left, get what you get.
1: (laughs) Yeah, kind of. I mean, it did create a sense of urgency for sure. And I think a lot of people responded to it because Mm -hmm. they were starting to realize that there's not that many left. And I think some of our competitors ran out before we did. Mm -hmm. So that kind of gave us a bit of a boost because it was like, hey, these guys still have tubs left. So that was like a unique selling proposition in itself was, Yeah. yeah, Actually oh, sure. have hot tubs. I think I even used that in the ad. Hey, we actually have hot tubs. <laughs> it was no, like the it's true. Line of the yeah. ad, I think so.
0: I mean, yeah. I think that's yeah. kind of you know when you talk about winners and losers out of all of this, it's really the winners are the people who have inventory.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then eventually we ran out too, and so we right. had to kind of you know move direction again. And so what we moved towards was something that's a little bit more. Well, obviously we cut our budget quite a bit because we mm-hmm. we're not aggressively trying to sell tubs right now. But there's a couple different things. So what I've seen a lot of other retailers doing was they were still pushing their same sale ads. So they're like, you know, the fall sale that a yeah, lot of hot tub I retailers seen have.
0: Yeah, I've that
1: too. I think there's a bit of a backlash, right? Because then mm-hmm. people found out once they opted in or once they got through the sales process, like, hey, they actually don't have any hot tubs at all. People thought that was a little bit misleading in a way. Mm-hmm. And we kind of had a bit of that too, right? Even though we tried to be clear in the language, like what the situation was, right. it was like, yeah, we have tubs on order. We don't have tubs in stock, right? Yeah. And so- and much,
0: on order means like on order. It doesn't you know, it, doesn't, yeah, yeah. it doesn't mean no that, <laughs> yeah, it's not like we're getting, it's not like the shipment is coming next week.
1: <laughs> it's, it's sitting in a spreadsheet somewhere yeah, <laughs> waiting ex- to be made, right? Exactly. That was a little bit hard to get across in an ad, right? So mm-hmm. I think a lot of our competitors have stopped doing that. And now a lot of the language has switched to reserve your 2021 tub, mm-hmm. which I think is a great angle because now it's very clear. And I think people are becoming more accustomed to having to wait. Right. The market has learned that There are no tubs available. So now Mm -hmm. it's okay, can we get one as early as we can in 2021? So that's Mm -hmm. kind of the way the language has shifted for us and for our competitors. One thing that we have done a little bit differently is that if you've listened to my last episode and followed some of my content that I put out there, I'm in this for the long game. Like I really like to play the long game when it comes to hot tub sales. I'm not always looking for the person ready to buy right this second. I'm looking for the person who is thinking about buying a hot tub. And then when they do decide to finally buy a hot tub, we're going to be the trusted authority that they're going to go to. I
0: mean, the typical sales cycle for, a hot tub is normally it's fairly long. Like it's not a couple week process. It's usually a couple month process where someone thinks about, you know, where they go from that like initial investigative stage to actually putting some money down and making a purchase.
1: Exactly. So if we can control that buying process, then we're going to be the ones that they come to and trust. So we've kept up with that strategy, but I put out a new piece of content that I found has been really helpful. It's gotten us some of the cheapest, but also most responsive leads that we've ever gotten. So one of the things I found, and I think this is pretty common to most people in the industry is that when someone comes to you looking for a hot tub they have no idea what a good hot tub costs they've got no clue no and so they'll come to you with some made-up number in their head about what they want to spend on a hot tub yeah i've got five thousand dollars what can i get and the answer is, well, not much. If you want to really, they want an eight person hot tub with all these uh-huh, things and uh-huh, they, they, only, uh-huh. they only want to spend $5,000. Then you got to yeah. have that conversation of yeah. that can't happen. So uh-huh. <laughs> what do you want to do, right? What I did was I put together a hot tub pricing guide. And so people shopping around, they don't really know what good hot tubs cost and they don't mm-hmm. know what to pay for a hot tub. And that's yeah. a question we get a lot. So I created a guide around it. It's only eight pages long, but it's about, I called it a hot tub pricing guide, what to pay and what you get. So what we do is we bring break down the different sort of categories that hot tubs fall into mm-hmm. different price points and what you actually get for that price and so it's not hey come buy a hot tub from us it's not here's why our hot tubs are the best it's not here's all the unique features about the manufacturers that we sell yeah. it's about giving people a handy resource to use when they're shopping around for a hot tub now of course we load it up with examples of things that we sell right all the pictures in it are, are things that we sell so it's not that you know sure. but it is very non-biased it's pretty mm-hmm. yeah. it's generally information and people have been eating it up like we're only spending like five dollars a day on this but we're getting like very inexpensive leads for this and Mm -hmm. what I found and I did not expect was I thought that they were just going to kind of sit on the list and take in my content and then eventually make a decision but what I found is a lot of these people are responding right away and so what we did was we split it up into different sections and we kind of say what you get for each price level so we have discount affordable luxury mid-level luxury Mm -hmm. premium luxury and top luxury so they're all luxurious right of course
0: they are yeah I mean a lot I mean, it's a hot tub <laughs> so we don't
1: want to call it like cheap, cheap or whatever but right, I mean yeah. but there is the discount section right and so that's where you would find you know your big box store hot tubs or mm-hmm. some of the you know cheaply made you know Chinese ones or or even yeah. a used tub and one of the things I'm very straight up about is like I would rather buy a pre-owned tub from reputable manufacturer than to buy a brand new bottom of the barrel thing made with non-standard parts and all this yeah, stuff right
0: absolutely I mean you do a good like purge on that hot tub and as long as everything's working on it it's pretty go.
1: And so we actually do sell pre-owned hot tubs and that's one of the mm-hmm. things we're doing over the winter is we're actually going out and we're buying people's pre-owned hot tubs and ah, re- fixing them up and reselling yeah, them without inventory. So that's you know, kind of a I side wonder note.
0: yeah, you know what that's so interesting and I don't know why I didn't think about it until this moment, but yeah, that's a good way to get some hot tub inventory too is exactly. to have some refurbished tubs on your floor and and ready to go. That's I mean, that's pretty there's probably a lot of dealers out there that don't typically sell used hot tubs that are maybe moving into that market again.
1: And I mean, winter is not a super busy time for us anyway. So Mm -hmm. we have the time and capacity to be working on old tubs in the shop. So that's our way of getting inventory. And we have a list now. So if someone comes to you and says, hey, I only have $5,000, what can I get? Then you can say, well, if I were you, I would wait till a really great, pre-owned tub comes along and we do get them from time to time did you want me to put you on the list for when we get the next one and they go yeah sure of course that sounds great and so now we have this list of people interested in pre-owned tubs so that whenever we get one in the shop we have a whole list of people ready to eat it up and they don't they don't last very long.
0: For the family that has, you know, that only has $5,000 to spend on a hot tub. And I say only $5,000, like $5,000 is nothing to sneeze at. If that's their budget, I love that you can still get them into something that is going to yeah. make them happy and fulfill their dream of having a hot tub without necessarily losing out on the things that are important to them, like they can still get maybe the size that they want or yes, exactly. the features that they want and be perfectly
1: happy with that spa. That's great. Exactly, because the problem isn't that they have $5,000. The problem is the gap between between that and what they picture in their mind. Yeah, exactly. Them getting for $5,000. Sometimes sometimes it's a $15,000 tub, right? Of course. (laughs) But now with this pricing guide, people can self-select where they fall into. And they know the value of each category. Mm-hmm. And so now what I didn't expect, I now have people coming to me telling me what price range they're in from oh, the initial get-go, right? So that's they're saying, fantastic. hey, I'm looking for a four to six person and I want to be in the 10 to $14,000 range is where we fit in or, or something like that, right?
0: That's so great. Because and- that takes one of the hardest parts of the sales conversation off the table. Like they already know. You don't have to go through that price tag shock that people have.
1: And so if people are really adamant about getting a great massage, like they want the best therapeutic experience, experience and all those features now they can see what to reasonably pay for that i think since we presented this to them in a pretty non-biased way like of course Mm -hmm. our our branding is on it and they can email me if they have questions and whatever like it's part of the sales process but we did it in a way that's general information that anybody buying a hot tub no matter where they get it would want Mm -hmm. it answers a lot of their questions we also have a section about other costs included so here's what you can expect to pay for an electrician here's what you can expect to pay for a concrete pad here's what your energy costs are roughly going to be so that now people can make these educated choices about what they want and what's important to them and what they can reasonably expect to pay. And so the benefit of that I've seen is then people coming to us having already sort of pre-selected where mm-hmm. they fall in. In some cases, they even have certain models picked out. So because they've mm-hmm. now checked out our brochure and they go, yeah. okay, like this is what I want now. <laughs> I did not expect that to happen at all.
0: I love that you included the extra costs. We have been talking about getting a hot tub in our own backyard for the last little bit here. I mean, obviously that's on hold because we understand that there are no hot tubs.
1: <laughs> Wait, is this a breaking news like controversy? The owner of a spa retailer doesn't have a spa? Oh no, 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 <laughs> no, scandal. no,
0: no. I I know, right? No, this is this is something that uh people know about me that we do not have a hot tub. And <laughs> I mean, to be perfectly honest, our backyard is not the best backyard to put a hot tub in and pre-pandemic it was like we were planning on moving and so it's like okay, we'll move somewhere where we actually have a flat backyard. And that yeah. was part of our plan. On our wish list was a backyard that was flat so that we could easily install a hot tub. You know, we want to use it to do videos for the yeah. magazine and all of that kind of stuff, right? Well, the pandemic happened and we've decided not to move. And so now it's like, all right, we're going to figure this out and make it work. But now I'm <laughs> like, man, how much is it going to cost to get the electrician out here? How much is it going to cost to pour a pad? And that's something that if you go online is different depending on your market. I mean, exactly, completely different. And so, you know, it would be really great if I could look at my local hot tub dealer and be like, oh, they say it should cost between X and X to get the pad poured. And so I know that when I talk to this contractor that we're in line because that's the thing too i mean contractor to contractor it can be all over the map and it's yep. hard to know as a consumer does this make sense should it really cost this much or you know am i getting am i getting uh the neighborhood price yeah <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it may be yeah. you know
1: yeah i'm just bugging you of course i i get why you no 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 yeah answer, but- no, I feel it's, like there's a lot of politics involved in which one you select, though. You're, oh you might yes, have,
0: no. You never I'm, have
1: to. You can never tell anybody which one you picked because everyone's oh. gonna have an opinion on it.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely not. You know, actually, when I very, very first started in the hot tub industry, I was talking to a person from a manufacturing company, and you know, I just kind of mentioned offhand that we had a hot tub when I was growing up, and he was like, "Oh, what brand was it?" And I was like. Pff. I don't know. I mean, as a teenager and he's like, Oh you yeah, telling anybody that you don't know what brand it was. And I was like, <laughs> now, you know, and I'm just kind of like, I was 15. Why would I have known what brand of hot tub that we had in our backyard when I was yeah. a teenager? I have since learned that it was a like regional manufacturer and that they're out of business now anyway. So it didn't matter.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. But then from there, like our goal has always been to get people to self-select and arrive at the right tub for them. And so Mm -hmm. this is just adding another step in that process. And so tackling the budget question. It's one thing to ask people, you know, what's your budget? Obviously they're gonna probably say lower than what they actually are willing to spend anyway, because they don't wanna get fleeced or whatever, right? So they want to be conservative on their budget, but then you're constricting them by not giving them all the features they want. So Mm -hmm. what we usually do is we try and get them to pick what's important to them and then find the right two or three tubs that might match that. And so now by adding this sort of budget component, You're taking that part of the process and letting them self-select that as well. And it's always a range. It's never, here's what you get for $12,000. It's here's what you get from 10 to 14 or whatever. So that there's some movability depending on what features they want, how much massage power they want, all that kind of stuff. And so we still do our regular follow-up that we outlined in our previous episodes. So go back and listen to that if you want to get that. Good job pushing the the last (laughs)
0: episode. You're way better at that than I am. That's great.
1: (laughs) Well, it's important stuff. I want people to hear it. Um, But basically what we do is we ask people very simple, straightforward questions to get them to decide on what's important to them. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we always ask is, have they had a hot tub before? And so if they've had a hot tub before, then the conversation you have with them is going to be very different. And then the next question might be, well, do you want something similar to what you had before? And then that way you're now in the ballpark of what Mm -hmm. they're looking for. Or if they don't want something similar, they're going to tell you exactly what they didn't like about the last one. They go, ah, we had a lounger in the last one. We didn't really use it. We didn't really like it. So we don't want a lounger this time. Okay, great.
0: every hot tub owner
1: ever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that eliminates so many of the options, right? Mm -hmm. Now you can really narrow it down. Um, If they haven't had a hot tub before, then you say, okay, great. We can walk you through all the things you need to know. How many seats were you looking for? Mm -hmm. And now they're kind of thinking about who they're going to have in their hot tub. It's their family. Most people say six person because that's just like the sweet spot for hot tubs, right? And then now you can narrow it down that way. And then we ask them, is massage factor really important to you? And things like that. So that now we can really narrow it down and get them to sort of self-select. So based on everything you said, here are a few different options that I think would be really good for you. And here's why. And now you've really personalized the experience to them. And so it's the same process we've always followed. We're just kind of changing the front end a little bit to be about this pricing guide. It's been working quite well for us in getting people engaged in conversations. And then eventually you can have that conversation of, well, people are reserving for the spring. Here's what you can expect. Right. We have a whole bunch coming in the spring that will fit your needs. Yeah. If you want to grab one of those, we're taking a deposit. You know, What would you like to do?
0: If they're finding your pricing guide, they're probably seeing a lot of the other things you're posting as well, which is reserve your tub for spring or summer or fall or whatever it might be at this point
1: (laughs) exactly so people are expecting that now and they go okay well we're planning for next year and so Like, oh, maybe we'll come by in the spring. Well, in the spring, there may not be anything left. So uh, you might want to pick now so you know what to expect.
0: I've always found it interesting that the hots of industry has always held prices so closely to the vest. It's not something that you see manufacturers typically put on their website. It's not something you see dealers typically put on their website. I mean, and I understand the reasoning behind not doing that because, you know, as far as a manufacturer goes, each dealer in each location, their margins might be a little different. They might be selling that model for a little bit different price. So they don't want to put it up there, but it has created this situation where you're right. People don't understand what a hot tub costs. They don't understand the levels. They have no idea. And so, you know, they could go out shopping and then are, you know, severely disappointed in what they actually are going to have to pay to get what they want. And so I think this is something that it's a change that I would like to see maybe across the industry is people start talking more openly about pricing and features. And what it actually costs to get a hot tub because then people are prepared and they know what they're getting into. There's nothing I hate more. I know I've said this on the podcast before. There's nothing I hate more as a consumer than thinking that you're going to buy something and then realizing that you cannot afford it.
1: (laughs) It is a frustrating experience, and there's some like shame and guilt involved. Yeah, exactly. For sure yeah and then you, sometimes they'll make up an excuse that's not that right it's not no one wants to say I don't have enough money though
0: yeah exactly oh, we'll
1: just we'll keep looking or you know whatever and yeah and then you don't really get to the heart of the issue mm-hmm. and so I think if we can remove some of that awkwardness like there's a couple well, yeah I mean of you're not going
0: back to the store where you were embarrassed right yeah like, that's I'm, true I'm, not, too. I'm not going back if I am embarrassed embarrassment and shame I think are some of the most damaging human emotions that there are and so I'm not going back to the store where I was embarrassed that I couldn't afford their jeans or whatever it was I don't know <laughs> there's
1: a <laughs> Fantastic point. I don't think I'd really considered it that way before. But I think you're right. Like, I think the more you can make people feel comfortable, and not, you know, judged or whatever, like that's, mm-hmm. like I mean, it's tempting to, you know, want to scoff at people who say, well, you know, I've only got $5,000 or whatever. And, and $5,000 is a lot of money, right? And, yeah and especially to a lot of people. And so you never want to make them feel bad about that. You always want to kind of make it work, right? And so I think the more you can be accommodating and kind of sit on the same side of the table as them and just show them what's possible with what they've got, or maybe they have room in their budget for a payment plan. Right. I mean maybe they can put five thousand dollars down on this tub and then do a payment plan on the rest. Like we've definitely had people do that. Yeah. Just find some ways to make it work. And if it doesn't, that's totally fine. Just be cool with them. Right. And and then they'll they'll come back to you.
0: Yeah. We do these twice yearly camping trips with a bunch of friends. And on this last one, I found that some of them had been shopping for a hot tub. I had no idea. And so it was really interesting to hear the questions that they were asking me and pricing was the main one. It was like, you know, Hey, well, we found this hot tub. It's this brand. It's this big. And it was this price, you know, is that right? Is that a good deal? And it was pretty interesting. They actually had the brand wrong. And so at first I was like, that's an amazing price. And then I was like, eh, that's a normal price. (laughs) once (laughs) I realized what they were really talking about. But yeah, I mean, you know, here it is, my friends who had also had no idea. They're just like every other consumer out there. And they didn't even, I don't think, realize that once they started talking about hot tubs that I would continue to talk at them for 30 minutes. So,
1: (laughs) And I feel like there's a couple schools of thought on pricing, right? And I think Mm -hmm. I understand the temptation to hide the pricing. And I think I used to feel the same way about Mm -hmm. a lot of things is that Some retailers don't even display their pricing at all. You have to ask what it costs, right? right? The idea is you want to establish the value first and you want to get people to fall in love with the tub Mm -hmm. for them before finding out the price because you have established the value. They have some, you know, emotional attachment to it and all that kind of stuff so that they might spend a bit more. And so then when they get the price, then it's like, okay, well, this is the tub we really want. And so I kind of get that and it definitely works for some people. But yeah. lately I've just been kind of taking the, the stance of, let people have their heart attack early. <laughs> like, give them the price right away. Not necessarily in an ad or anything like that, but at least yeah. with the pricing guy, give them a range. Let them freak out about that at first, mm-hmm. and go, oh, that's way too much. We'll never be able to afford that. But mm-hmm. then, if you're playing the long game, you keep sending out different content, you keep talking about the value of different tubs, you keep talking about all the benefits that these features can have for you, and then eventually mm-hmm. they warm up to the idea. And then eventually the price isn't an objection anymore because they've been so used to it and they've seen it so many times that it's not a surprise to them anymore. So, yeah, they've
0: kind of overcome that in their minds.
1: And you kind of you give them a little bit of credit. Like these are grown adults you're talking about, right? Like right. they can make their own decisions. We have to yeah. trust them to be smart, but help them make an educated decision. So I don't feel like hiding the pricing behind a curtain mm-hmm. is going to be all that effective, especially going into the future as everything is switching to online. You can order a mattress in a box to your door now, right? So a mattress salesmen have been cut out. <laughs> you know, so yeah. eventually I think people are going to expect that of every industry mm-hmm. to be upfront and transparent about their pricing and what you get for that price. And right. so I think I think hot tubs need to move into that at some point. It might not be today or tomorrow, but mm-hmm. eventually people are going to be fed up with it and they just want the price.
0: Do you talk about financing and sort of what a monthly payments could look like for each of those categories? Or are you just talking about the price? I
1: haven't actually added that yet because I just wanted to get this PDF up and running. Well, yeah, <laughs> um, for sure. That's a great point. I mean, that might be something to add too. like, here's what you can expect to pay per month for that or weekly. I think that would yeah. be a fantastic thing to add. I
0: do know that there are some retailers who don't put prices on their tubs, but they do put, you know, monthly payments on their tubs. So it's like, hey, the This this package right here is going to be X amount of dollars a month. And so that's kind of how they get around the pricing. And again, I think it just depends on your market and your buyer. What makes the most sense for you? I mean, you know, if your customers are coming in and paying cash or if your customers are coming in and doing payment plans or if you've got a good mix of
1: both. Yeah, exactly. It's going to vary on the individual retailer. Like we put both, like we'll put the price of the tub and the payment plan Mm -hmm. on it. And so sometimes what we'll do is we'll do like the fancy promo. So if someone wants like a low interest rate and a low, Mm -hmm. low payment, they'll end up paying more total for the tub. Right. And then there's like a cash discount, right? So most of our
0: people, people love those cash discounts.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and our store is in a fairly affluent area. So Mm -hmm. most people are wanting to pay cash. People don't like consumer debt Mm -hmm. as much where we are. So obviously we do have some people do the payment plan. That's always an option, but most of our deals, people are just paying for them on credit card for Mm -hmm. the points, but then they're just paying it off right away. Is
0: there anything else that's been different from what we talked about before? I mean, I know in the last episode, we walked through your process for following up with people and following up with leads, now that lead times are long, I guess what else has changed? Because I imagine yeah. some things still look pretty different as this has gone on. And you've had some of those questions answered about what this pandemic is going to look like. You've made some more changes.
1: <laughs> Not too many, actually. Like our process is Oh, really? Pretty- dialed in before. The only thing I've really changed is like one of my standard questions that I would ask before is, yeah. were you looking to get one soon or were you wanting to? Right.
0: Yeah. Or yeah. did you
1: have some planning <laughs> to do? And so now I don't ask if they want one soon anymore because that's not going to happen because yeah. a lot of times we could make a deal on a floor model knowing that there was another one coming in that we could put on the floor or whatever, yeah. right? So if someone was really like urgent about it, then we could accommodate that. And so I would always ask that. But now, now I don't ask that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you want to wait a long time or a really long time? <laughs> yeah, right. Right? <laughs> uh, somehow that doesn't have the, the same effect.
0: What do you see for 2021 for you guys? I mean, you said you're already doing planning for 2022 yeah. as far as inventory goes. I mean, are you sold out for 2021 already? Kind of where are you guys? Oh, oh no. <laughs> where, <laughs> what are you anticipating for next year?
1: It's hard to say because no one really knows. No, uh, what I we mean, are this, doing...
0: is, this is really a like Back. magic eight ball question. <laughs> yeah.
1: We talked about this internally as an ownership team and we decided that we were going to make a calculated bet on ourselves. Mm -hmm. So this year, 2020, we got caught with less inventory than we really could have because we just weren't sure where it was going to go. And we tried to Mm -hmm. order as much as we could once we realized what was going on, but we just never fully caught up. Mm -hmm. So for 2021, we kind of made the calculated risk of we are going to order as many tubs to give us our best shot at having our best year ever. Yeah. So that might mean ordering a few more tubs than we were maybe comfortable with in the past. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have them, you can't sell them. Right. So that's our thinking. Right. So we're making a calculation calculated bet on ourselves that we're going to be able to sell these and that this trend is going to continue Mm -hmm. of people being stuck at home and investing in their backyards, not being able to or not wanting to travel because of the current situation. So we're kind of, we're making a bit of a gamble on ourselves. We're over ordering, not to an extreme, like we're not, you know, trying to double our sales next year or anything like that, although maybe we could, but we are definitely betting on ourselves on inventory. Yeah. Let's put it that way. You
0: know, I think that has been the hardest part for a lot of people. I think this year is that knowing all of the sales that they could have if they had tubs to give them and, and that's dealers and manufacturers. I mean, I think everyone is sort of excited for the growth that we've seen, but also, you know, there's a lot of missed opportunities that I think are haunting people.
1: There is some of that feeling of the, that opportunity cost there, but if you look at it another way, like we've all had a great year. Like I'm sure yes. everybody has sold. Like when do you ever sell out of tubs, right? Like, oh, uh, it's like we've,
0: never. It has never happened yeah. before. I mean, it's a historical yeah. moment in the hot yeah. tub industry.
1: <laughs> so I mean, hands down, we've had a great year, and mm. it's beyond what we could have expected anyway. So right. I mean, to wish for more, yeah, I wish we had 25 or 50 more tubs to sell. That would have been awesome. But right. I mean, if you take the year as a whole, it's a pretty successful year. Our business survived. We can still pay our staff. You know, like these are all good things. This is all good news. So so many businesses out there are not in that situation. Like how many local businesses have closed? I can't even count. Um, Places like gyms restaurants, Mm -hmm. all these businesses that rely on people just walking in the door. So even just surviving this, let alone Mm -hmm. thriving is a blessing.
0: That's absolutely right. Like we also be having an attitude of gratefulness and thankfulness because, because yeah, we see all of the examples right in front of us to have, it could have gone a lot differently for us. And at the beginning of this, that's how I think a lot of us imagined our futures.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, the next world event could not go our way. Exactly. Right? And so we can try to make the most of this one and do our best to navigate it. What if the world's like bromine uh, supply disappeared tomorrow, right? Like we'd be in so much trouble. That's
0: not out of the I realm know. of possibility. I mean, <laughs> yeah. who would have thought that like suddenly trichlor was going to disappear? I mean, like who knows? Right.
1: But uh, if anybody wants any advice or help setting up this pricing guide system in their own business, I'm happy to help with that if they want. They can find me on Facebook or LinkedIn or email me at ben at myurbanlife.ca. I'm happy to answer any questions people have about this if they want to set this up it's created a really slow burn of high quality leads for us
0: you already answered our spa retailer five
1: although you never published it maybe that should be like a last lost episode that you publish one day right that's
0: right i didn't because i think i think it just got too long right
1: (laughs) yeah or i think we just re-recorded it
0: i mean i feel like i should make you do it again now So what was your first hot tub sale?
1: So my first sale technically turned out to not be a sale. And that was actually really disappointing for me. So the very day that we bought the business, so a couple of years ago, we bought this hot tub business and it was like our very first day. I like studied all the sales material. I had my pitch down. Somebody walked in and uh, he was a referral from someone already on our first day owning it yeah and like I did the whole pitch he wanted the tub he put a deposit for it it's like yes first day first sale so excited
0: that's that's very Um, exciting
1: but we were a little loose on the language of refundable deposits and that kind of stuff turns out this guy entered a bit of a cash crunch Ah. couldn't afford the rest of the tub we had to refund his deposit and we sat on that tub for months and we didn't sell that one for months because we had already ordered it so we had to pay for it and it just sat there as a daily reminder of that (laughs) And it kind of like twisted a knife in my heart, but I'm kind of over it now. But that first sale.
0: You don't sound sound that over it.
1: I know it still kind of burns me up, but I learned something from it. My first sale that stuck was actually a couple of weeks after that. We had our first, you know, big sale and it was really exciting because we had done all this Facebook advertising, all this stuff yeah. that I get really excited yep. about. Yep. We had a lead come in from that. I had talked to this lead. She had kind of decided more or less what tub she wanted. Thursday morning, we were starting the sale for the weekend. We were still setting everything up. We had just opened. She came in, said, this is the tub I want. We talked about it Give for it a few minutes, minutes and it was a done deal. It was like, awesome. this is like magic. This is how I want every sale to go sure. for
0: Yeah, well, and that's, <laughs> It also kind of proved that all the things that you had been doing could work and were hopefully going to work going forward. So that that's, was, that would be very exciting.
1: It was a nice validation. felt really good. So what was your first real job? First real job was, um, I think I was... 14 or 15, very young. Our friend's mom worked for like a national sort of marketing company. And what they did was they set up displays in stores. My first job was like part-time on the weekends doing like those product displays that you see in stores. So, you know, it would be like handing out food samples or, you know, this new mop or whatever, like demonstrating this new mop or whatever. It was a pretty easy job and I got to keep all the candy leftovers and stuff. So
0: like you've that, kind so. of been in the marketing game from the start. I feel like that's.
1: Yeah. Although I was not very good at it and didn't try very hard,
0: but. Well, I mean, when you're like 14 or 15 years old, I can't imagine that would be a job that you would be very good at. I mean that you said it was easy, but there's parts of that that sound very hard.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I made like no sales off of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't paid on commission. Let's put it that way. Yeah, there you
0: go. What would you say is the worst idea? I mean, you haven't been in business for too long. So maybe you don't have any real stinkers yet. But the worst idea or the biggest flop that you've ever done in your business?
1: Yeah, our biggest flop was not this past summer, but the summer before that. I think we had our really first big sale, like our Mm -hmm. spring sale. It did really well. We were very excited about it. It was awesome. And so sometimes when you have a success early on, you feel like you have the Midas touch or you feel like you can't fail, right? Right. And so so we decided, okay, we're going to do another big sale in the middle of summer. Mm -hmm. And maybe that was not the right move because we did it the first weekend of August, which is actually a holiday weekend here in Canada. And so it was a long weekend. No one was really in town. We had just moved to our new location, so we had this big kind of like grand opening sale in mind. You know, we were making hot dogs, we had a bouncy castle, all that yeah. kind of stuff. We thought this was going to be this great weekend. Nobody cared. Oh, <laughs> Nobody cared. It's just the worst <laughs> feeling. I think we made no sales that weekend, oh, and it was man. just this awful feeling, right? Yeah. Um, that we had put so much hope and effort and thought mm-hmm. into this. And then it just completely flopped. But I mean, that's just how it goes sometimes.
0: Events are just so unpredictable in that way where, you know, you've got this great weekend and you've got, you know, all these things planned out and then it rains or, you know, things that are just completely out of your control or your home team ends up being in the playoffs. And so everyone's at home watching the game. And, you know, I just things that you can't really plan for happen. And you're like, we just
1: mistimed it. And it was our first year in the business. And Mm -hmm. we just, we learned that lesson, right? Like don't have a huge sale in the middle of summer when no one's around.
0: (laughs) On the flip side, what would you say is the best idea or the best thing that you guys have done in your business so far
1: so far i would say it's probably coming up with a very streamlined and predictable sales process so Mm -hmm. all the things that we described in the last episode and in this one to the point that now over the summer we actually hired a kid i shouldn't call him a kid he's an adult but he's actually an actor by trade and so he was in like theater school and he was in productions and of course with the pandemic all that stuff got shut down And so I was able to take our sales script, Mm because he's an actor, and I was able to take our follow-up scripts and hand them to him. And you know, by the next week, he's already selling hot tubs. It's fantastic. Just creating this predictable process that you can mm-hmm. hand off to anyone has been really valuable for us. And so we really value him and the time that he has saved us in the sales process and just having that predictable process in, in place.
0: I'm going to veer off of our Spot Retailer 5 because that got me to thinking about another question as far as hiring. I mean, I don't know if you guys have been doing a lot of hiring in the last year, but I'm curious if you found it easier or harder. It seems like There should be more people in the market, but at least, you know, a lot of the dealers I talk to feel that people are taking extra unemployment benefits and not going to work. Has that been the same for you guys? There's
1: definitely some of that. I would say, though, from day one, staffing has been our number one headache. I would say before I owned a local business. I would not have predicted that being the biggest challenge in the business but it absolutely has been because just finding good people is hard no matter what the economic situation or the and we're kind of out in the country a little bit too so the talent pool is a little bit smaller Mm -hmm. and just finding reliable people that are going to stick around has just been a real challenge for us so we are still trying to hire people it seems like we're always trying to hire somebody because if the right person comes along we almost feel like we want to grab them and hold on to them and Mm -hmm. find something for them to do (laughs) Uh, rather than trying to fill a specific position and just not having it work out like try to find the right people first and then finding what they can excel at and finding mm-hmm. a place for them in your business seems to be the way we're headed right now. And yeah. so, yeah, so we've been trying to hire. It's been really hard. I think people with jobs are trying to hang on to the jobs they have. There have been unemployment benefits that have gone on and people are wanting to collect on that. So that's mm-hmm. a challenge as well, but it's just really hard. <laughs> yeah. So if anybody has any tips for hiring, send them my way because that's been our, our biggest yeah, challenge. Yeah. I, I mean, I,
0: th- I think that's, I mean, you're in the same boat as everybody else. It sounds like yeah. it's always been really difficult and it has not gotten any easier. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: What have you been reading or watching or listening to during the pandemic for fun or for you sure. know enrichment?
1: Yeah, so 2020 has given me a lot of time to reflect and do a little bit more mm-hmm. personal development work than I have done in the past. So
0: oh, look at you! That's so that's that's yeah. so smart and like everything that I think most of us wish that we would do with our extra time, but instead well, it's I
1: more would... out of necessity, <laughs> like for my own sanity, right? <laughs> so one book—it's kind of old hat to some people. It's been around a while, but I just discovered it's called the miracle morning um, oh yeah
0: i've heard of that sure yeah, yeah. and
1: so it's not about like hey you get up at 5 a.m every day or anything like that yeah. it's more about starting your day off right in a good mm-hmm. mindset and yeah. so i've really taken that to heart i've started doing that every day and i found that my mental state has really improved a lot and so mm-hmm. it's about That's great you know sitting in silence for a few minutes because whoever sits in silence anymore <laughs>
0: oh <No>, i mean <laughs> and, i always have a podcast going or something yeah. there's like silence is like the enemy <laughs>
1: yeah and then just kind of like repeating to yourself like what your goals are what you're looking to achieve mm-hmm. like what are you going to get done today and sort of visualizing that happening and sort of like mentally rehearsing the day. Like mm-hmm. here's how my day is going to go and here's yeah. what's going to happen and, and all that kind of stuff. And just really starting your day off right in a way that is going to put you in a mental state to be at your best. And yeah. so I find just taking a few minutes every morning to do that before I start my work, like jumping into it. Yeah. cold really just kind of gives you that that warm up for the day. So that's yeah, a book that's I'd great. recommend to people.
0: We both have young children and children are the ruiner of all good plans. <laughs> so when you get up in the morning and you have this list day laid out before yourself I mean how does it impact you when you know your kid is up all night sick or has to stay home from school. I mean the, all of the things yeah, that twenty twenty yeah. has, has brought us. Does having that time in the morning help you deal with those kind of unforeseen circumstances yeah. better?
1: Yeah so one thing I've started doing is like I don't set my alarm for the same time as my kids to get up for school. I said it like half an hour earlier so that I have time to get up and do these things. One of the cool things about this book that I hadn't really considered before is that you kind of have to have condensable versions of your morning routine. So Mm -hmm. there's like the A, B, and C. There's like the hour-long version. there's like the 30 minute version and then there's like the 10 minute version, right? right? And so doing any of those is better than nothing. And so if you have circumstances where you can't do the hour long version where you, you know, do all the journaling and whatever, and you just stick with the 10 minute version, then you're Mm -hmm. still going to get something out of it. It's kind of like your consolation morning routine.
0: I kind of had this situation happen just this week where Sunday I'm like, all right, I'm going to really push myself to get all of this stuff done around the house. And Christmas presents and all of that stuff done so that Monday morning when the kids go to bed on Sunday night I can have some time to myself I can relax I can get a good night's sleep and Monday morning I will be ready to go I won't have yeah. to you know the house will be clean the laundry will be done <laughs> that stack of presents in our room will be under the tree and I don't have to think yeah. about it anymore so I really like pushed myself on Sunday to do all of these things and then our daughter was up from like one till four, and then was home from school on Monday. And so I was just like, I mean, I was still happy that all of that stuff was done, but my whole, I'm going to do all these things so I can get my week started off on the right foot went totally out the door.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I totally hear that. And I found that having shorter to-do lists actually helps a lot more. Like we all have a to-do list a mile long. You could overload your day with stuff, but I find that just picking the three to five that are like critical for Mm -hmm. today, And just focusing on those like has really alleviated a lot of stress because then the rest of it, hey, I'll get done what I can. But as long as those three to five are getting done, then then I'm moving the needle every day. And no matter what else happens with my kids or work or anything, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to stress out too much about it because I've got the most important stuff done.
0: That was the last one. Awesome. The, the book recommendations.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Miracle Morning. Check it out.
0: All right. Good deal. Well, hey, thank you so much for doing this again. We appreciate it. I'm sure we'll have you back on at some point again. So, you know, keep us in the loop on what you guys have going on.
1: Yep. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And if anybody wants to reach out to me with questions, I'm sure my name is in the show notes and the spelling. You can add me on LinkedIn or Facebook or wherever and send me questions if you have them. All right. Sounds good. Well,
0: thanks a lot. Enjoy the rest of your day.
1: Thanks. You too.
0: Spa Retailer Podcast is a production of Spa Retailer Magazine. Let us know what you think by leaving a review or emailing us at podcast at spa retailer.com. Thanks for listening.